hate when people talk during the movie. No Your stupid minds! Stupid! Stupid! Relax. It's all in bad taste. I am your host, Liam, and tonight I am joined by Ryan for a little one-on-one action. No, wait, hold on. That sounded fucking gross. It's not that kind of podcast. It can be if you want it to be, it's though. It's not that kind of podcast. It's, it's not your choice. <laughs> Listeners, write in. You know what you want. What, are you trying to get us to turn into a porn podcast? If Catwoman can be sexy and sensual, then you can try. So that's why you showed up in full, like, gimp suit, bondage gear <laughs> with the whip. It makes sense now. I'm Stan the Pimp. Yeah, as I said before, we are going to do a few things today, right? If that's okay with you. I mean, I don't like change. Change is scary, but I'll power through with well, you. I'm your boss, so put up with it. Deal with it. <laughs> um, we're going to do our History of Catwoman episode, as we promised, but we're also going to try something new on this podcast, uh, and that is, if we get a good response from this as well, and you guys enjoy it, what we're going to try and do is incorporate it into all our episodes. That's our uh, listener question, which I put out on our Instagram today, and we got a really, really good response from and it. And this is where you all show your intelligence levels with the questions you ask. Know well, that I am judging <laughs> everything you say. Well, I mean, we do. We want to interact more with you guys. We love you guys so much. Uh, we love all the support that you give us, uh, and we want you to write in and tell us how fucking dumb we are, and how we're wrong about everything, and how Jack's wrong about Catwoman being better than Troll too. I'm not <laughs> letting that go. I'm, I'm personally really excited for this listener question in particular, because one of our fans and followers has given me an opportunity to talk about why I, I love Spider-Man 3, which I remember, I was listening back oh, to the last episode. I've heard this rant a hundred <laughs> times. The people need to know, the people need to hear the truth. And they're going to, I'm sure. No, this is the thing, I, I was listening back to the last episode, the Catwoman episode, and I was about to go into it and explain why Spider-Man 3 is the best of the Raimi movies, and not only the best of the Raimi movies, but apart from Into the Spider-Verse, the best Spider-Man film. Um, but then Jack cut me off because of course he did fuck you he was right too at least you get to do it now for a full like 40 minutes but what we'll do before we get on to listener questions is we will start with our history of Catwoman are you ready for this Ray? well before we do I want to hear your realist meow sexiest Eartha kit per oh the Eartha kit well we're going to do the Eartha right so let me because there's different this is the thing I've, I've been researching this shit so if you want an Eartha kit one <laughs> pick like, one meow It'd be like that. But if it was a Michelle Fe- Michelle Pfeiffer Michelle one, Pfeiffer. it'd be like, meow. Like she's very uninterested. Yeah, that kind was of really like, good. Yeah, she's kind of over it. Your turn. Go on. Meow, darling. That's very Eartha. That's very like the Julie Newmar, the 60s kind of camp one. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm not in any, any way an expert on Catwoman, as you probably could tell from the Batman episode and the Catwoman episode. I'm not really a nerd like you guys. I'm a, I'm a different type of nerd. I'm definitely- Sci-fi nerd. I'm a horror nerd. A literature nerd. I'm a def- horror nerd. definitely a horror nerd, but actual comic books, I love them and I really enjoy them. Oh, and I- Dinosaur re- nerd. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I will try my best. Uh, please write in if we get anything wrong. And Ryan, you're kind of here to help me along the way as well, because you you kind of are- Oh, do not put that kind of pressure on me. <laughs> Sorry, it's already on. <laughs> if I'm wrong, Under don't pressure. tell me. Pretend I'm right. Please write in and tell Ryan how wrong he is. Created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and debuting as, she was originally just debuted as the cat. I think that was her original name in the uh, in Batman number one. Do you think that got confusing? That's why they changed it to Catwoman eventually. I'm almost certain that wasn't the reason they changed it to Catwoman. Although you think like it was never the bat, was it? I, I mean, maybe Greg, tell us if I'm wrong. It was never like- The bat. But they have the penguin. They don't say penguin man. Like, the, is he penguin man? I mean, he's just as much Penguin Man as Batman is a Batman. I know for a fact, it was Catwoman, because, and again, doing a lot of research for this episode, 
a lot of the reasons they added her as a whole was because they needed that kind of, uh, they wanted to cater to a female audience as well as that male audience. I think at one point it was just Sausage Fest City and they were like, we need some kind of woman in here. Catwoman. There you go. Done. She debuted in 1940 as Selena Kyle, not Patience Phillips. Let's ignore that for ever. For, 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 forever. Yeah, let's just ignore that in general. Uh, and just whip it from the list. <laughs> oh, fucking genius. I hate that you guys can do this. I was so fucking furious listening back to the last episode when you guys were just listing off pun after pun after pun and I was just struggling and none of you just came to my help. But yeah, she started off as a complete adversary, but there was always kind of, they always had that semblance of sexuality there, that that love interest angle. Um, and the, the anti-hero, the, the, the kind of, um, what would you say? Like she's, she's, is she an anti-hero? Is she, I would say she's an anti-hero. I mean, let's be realistic. She's a straight up villain and she yeah. just gets away with it. Cause Batman's she's sexy. horny for her. <laughs> well, she's horny for Batman as well. They're both horny for each other. She's, she's probably the main love interest, isn't she? She's definitely the most recognizable love interest. Yeah. If I'm going to say, Oh, who would you say Batman would ever end up with? Like eh, if it was going to be anyone, I can see you being Catwoman because she's as interested. That's, that's the kind of nice thing as, as much as she is his foil in a lot of ways. And as much as she is technically quote unquote, a villain, Batman is equally infatuated with her and she's infatuated with him. One of the things that I noticed that was really interesting is she's one of the people who's not really that interested in Bruce Wayne as a character. And she's definitely more in love. She's got that leather kink, I think is the thing. She's only interested <laughs> in a guy in leather. I think she's attracted to the the danger. I mean, half the reason, half of the time that she's a thief is because she wants to. She has that drive just to kind of live a little bit dangerously and seeing that in Batman who's a vigilante and it resonates with it and I think because she's morally ambiguous it's yeah. so easy to slot her in anywhere into any storyline she can be good this week because sometimes she's good sometimes she wants to sleep with Batman <laughs> sometimes she's bad though and this week she is going to be a jewel but, thief who tries to steal millions of dollars yeah worth of I mean stuff. even her version of bad is never like bad she's not the one who's like dissolving people in acid or like ripping people's faces off she's always the kind of like stole a few things like i'm not like a bad guy i know i disagree i know for a fact i watched one of the 66 episodes and i'm sure she kills one of the henchmen so she can get that's 100% a henchman. of the loot just because he's evil doesn't oh, make doesn't crime count. any less nah batman will overlook that like of course he's going to overlook he'll do a loss for any good pussy in fact i'm pretty sure she fell uh, down the whoa, whoa whoa i just did it i did a pun i did a pun oh, i did a pun. <laughs> I did a pun i didn't even mean to do a pun but i did a pun <laughs> well done you met the minimum requirements uh, that's it the episode's over i'm going home now bye yeah, she fell down the bottomless pit in that episode. She's definitely a villain as a character, but because this is, well, a lot of comic book nerds are 13-year-old boys, she's just a wet dream and she gets away with it because, oh, horny for it. I wonder if Batman, like the comic book version of Batman was any like girls or gay boys wet dream. Like, oh yeah, that, that Adam West. Ooh. Oh, don't knock Adam West. There's something about the man who's like not afraid to be a little bit out of shape, but still be a dangerous crime. Oh, he's got the dad bod. Like he's got got the dad dad bod. He he rocks the dad bod. You can't say anything about that. Well, we say dad bod, realistic bod. Bat bod. <laughs> um, let's right. Let's have a little chat about the most famous in, uh, incarnations of Catwoman. Then let's, I say, start in the live action sphere, but let's remain. And I, I know nothing. Do you know anything about any of the kind of animated versions of Catwoman? Because I know fuck all. Oh, there's there's a lot of them. Like I know at one point she had a revision of her origins. 
Batman Year One, where she was a dominatrix who was working for Stan the Pimp, and she was hiding some like uh, underage, like prostitute little girl. God damn! Yeah. <laughs> All right, DC, chill out. <laughs> I know with a lot of superheroes and characters, you get the same people playing them, same kind of people. Batman is typically played by a white person, as is Superman, as is the Joker, as is pretty much every other character. But Catwoman, early on, before this was a thing, had different versions. There's been a black Catwoman, Tina Catwoman, white Catwoman. um, But it was in the 66th version with Adam West, where we got our first black Catwoman. And at the time, that was a that was a big deal. That was revolutionary, time. really. She was season three, because originally the the first incarnation of Catwoman, well, the first live-action on-screen incarnation was Julie Newmar, right? She was the the Batman 60s. She was season one and two. And she she's a lot of people's go-to, I think, for that perfect incarnation of the Adam West full camp. The almost, pay homage. What Joel Schumacher was paying homage to in his uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin uh, versions of it was that kind of the, the Adam West camp and Julie Newmar would fit right into the Joel Schumacher verse. That's a verse I want to see. I mean, I know he's dead now, but that's <laughs> the, like, fuck the, fuck the Snyder verse. I want to see the Schumacher verse. But it was good. The incarnation was one that wasn't 99% cast. I think there was more... She was still very cat, right? Oh, she was entirely cat-themed. All the henchmen did was go out to steal everything cat-themed in Gotham. But as her intonations and characterizations, the way she spoke, there was cat inflections in there and all kinds of weird cat stuff. But she wasn't sniffing fucking catnip and like, no, she wasn't no, no, pissing she, on the street. She does. She actually pours oh, catnip on Robin and then kind of licks it like cocaine. Okay. A bit weird, but okay. <laughs> but, like, the He's a boy in that stuff. version, right? Like, he's a full child in that version, but She was right? going to murder him and... Bert is not a fucking child. Who's Bert? <laughs> is that not the actor who appears him? Maybe, I don't know. I'm not the guy to ask about this again. I don't know who Bert is. Okay. He's Batman's okay. ward. <laughs> He's Batman's boy, which just sounds fucking creepy as shit. But yes, there's a lot of human character to it, and it's pretty well fleshed out for a weird, campy comic book series. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the way Newmar kind of perfects the role, <laughs> perfects the role, uh, <laughs> is, is, is a lot of the kind of balance between that element of camp and still kind of villainous and still kind of fud and still kind of, you're right, quite sinister. Like, you're right. I think we saw that scene where she is like, she murders one of her henchmen and they still have that to it. it there is that little edge to it. And especially in the 60s where they were trying to make everything so um, colourful and bright because, you know, we were at war. Yeah, you've got Robins we were in- directly saying, support your local police force. It was it was that time where the, the, the powers that be were trying to kind of blind everyone to the bullshittery that was going on in the world. Because people become more aware of it. Not the that that happens really today at all. <laughs> Not that we are still being blinded to the bullshittery that goes on in the world. Although one of the best lines, Liam, is just, some days you just can't get rid of the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird that you see that those parallels though, because we were talking about the way like the the Adam West Batman tries to mask kind of the turmoil and the and the tumultuousness of the sixties. The way that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is trying to shine a light on a lot of race politics in America right now, I feel like it is kind of uh, mirrored in the way that the Adam West series tried to kind of uh, mask a lot of the the issues going on in the sixties as well. I'm not comparing both masks. One masked, one didn't. Well, like it's still Disney. Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is trying to have that conversation about race politics, but it's still Disney. It's still masking. It's still saying, oh, oh we've, right. we've solved racism, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's not as bad as you we, think. We've, to- 
totally. Look, as long as everyone still believes in America, racism will never exist. Like, I mean, it's that you, kind of like bullshit, like Pete, like, I don't know. It's like the, the easy season answer. Three, then. If we get into season answer. three, you can very easily draw parallels if no time has passed from Hiram Earth a kit into the role. It was a massive thing. It, it was a big thing at the time. And even to this day, although now it wouldn't be as big of a thing, that's complete bullshit because <laughs> Disney knew a Black Falcon would cause backlash. Absolutely. You are going to get that toxic fan base that goes... You mean a Black Captain America, not a Black Falcon. But he's becoming the new Captain America and he is there and he's doing a fantastic job. I was scared he was going to lose his wings, but he didn't. He I love Anthony Mackie so much. Anthony Mackie's great and they have preempted this backlash already and I think they've done a pretty good job and same with Eartha Kitt. They didn't yeah. hire her, which was nice because she was black. It's because she is essentially a cat in human form. Sorry, I've just got like, my, my brain is poisoned at the minute because I've been talking to um, George over at Tipsy Flicks and Tom over at Warm Thins and they just fucking despise like all of the, the modern Disney stuff and the uh, the DC universe and the MCU and they're just like, I know the, for a fact that if they listen to this, they'll be uh, they'll be thinking I'm a sellout because I've been talking about Captain the Wilder Soldier in a... In a fucking positive light but I'm, I'm not I promise I'm not a seller boys I promise I promise you it's it's not that good oh fuck that like <laughs> I Ryan's a sellout I'm so happy that I was born in this day and age because I remember being young going to my granddad's and it was nothing but westerns consistently I would rather have this be the superhero age and have some banging films as well as some bland ones and have it be oversaturated at the moment. Well, this is the thing. Have like, just westerns and yeah. nothing. Superheroes are the westerns of our time. But then I'm looking back at the 60s and I think superhero films were also the superhero films of the time. Like they, they did kind of saturate the market a little bit back then. You had the obviously the, the Batman, the Adam West Batman series. You had uh, Lois and Clark, things like that. But it this was, is before we were oversaturated. This was like a yeah. beginning of a big breakout. I know now it's everyone's done with superheroes and all over it because it's been on for so long but westerns had a much bigger reign and in the 60s as well this was a big thing and i always think of dean kane as superman and how much i used to enjoy watching him and how much i loved comic books and superheroes and just wasn't enough for me and now there is and now i get to pick and choose you shouldn't complain about that especially a nerd when, in a candy shop especially when marvel especially over DC are doing a good job at creating a giant cinematic universe that spans out and covers multiverses and they're able to tie those threads together in a nice way where different characters get in development and you see different representations of people. We're going to be able to talk about this more in the listener questions because we've got a question that specifically kind of covers this. So I don't want to go too much of this. Let's get back to Eartha Kit. <laughs> then Let's... you probably should have stopped me about 20 <laughs> sentences ago. Let's get back to Eartha Kit for a second. Let's talk about, because I, I grew up with Eartha Kit uh, knowing her from The Emperor's New Groove. That's where, where I first recognised well, her. Have, you did Holes in English, right? I did Holes in English. <laughs> the movie Holes. I did Holes in English. <laughs> Sorry, let's just let's analyse that sentence. What, the um, the Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf Sigourney movie. Weaver? Yeah, she plays Manzaroni. She She's the old um, gypsy mystic woman who Holy puts a curse shit, on the yeah, family. She, is, she has a whole song. I mean, she has that unmistakable voice. Like, her voice is is it's so sensual. It's and it, purr. It's, it's soft. So, she literally speaks like a cat. And I remember... It caresses you. I remember reading a lot of the reasons that they chose her to replace um, Julie Newmar in season three was because of her mannerisms and because of the way she spoke and because of the features that she had these cat-like eyes, I remember the, remember hearing them say. And that was a lot of the reason they cast her. And she as, does, But she has this graceful way of moving. Like, everything is 
long. And she's so fucking hot. Limbs. She's, she's so yeah. fucking hot. And she's had such a distinguished career as well, like singing, actress, Broadway, movies, TV. She's done everything. And she, as, as in, she's a gay icon as well. She's a, a massive queer and uh, obviously a black icon. She's She rightly, I think she did get a uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame yeah, as well. Yeah, she did. And well deserved. Well deserved, because she, she's iconic. Rest in peace, Eartha Kitt. What Ember's New Groove as well. Let's not skip Let's on not that. Let's not skip Ember's New Groove. She was the standout. I mean, that's one of the best Disney films ever, am I wrong? Like, it's such, it's such gold she tier. She really plays one of the funniest villain performances of any Disney movie to date. I like to think that in my head that she has this really good sense of humour about her as well, because she would have been well into her kind of I mean, uh, 70s, seems, 80s by that point. She's played some, like, funny comical roles that required to take herself less seriously. I mean, she was Catwoman in the comic book 66 TV version of Batman. Well, that was kind she of the breakout, wasn't it? That was that her breakout role? Was that the one that kind of launched her into kind of the limelight and into stardom? Well, it certainly would have helped, yeah. Well, the, the, again, this is the thing. And there was there was an extreme backlash as well. And I think I remember reading that a lot of the kind of the sensualness of um, Julie Newmar's version of the character, a lot of the kind of romantic elements were taken out. And I often I often wonder whether or not that is to do with the race politics in America at the oh, time. Of course it was. And the fact that I think, was it like the, the uh, interracial marriage laws were kind of um, repealed. repealed at that point? I think it was the year she was cast, actually, that the interracial marriage laws were repealed. And I think a lot of that bled into the show and a lot of that blend the fact that they took her out as a romantic interest and they gave her mostly villainous things to do. Well, that did give her more agency Which as is a bullshit. Well, yeah, yeah it's absolute bullshit. Let's start Bullshit. There. But like, at least her character as a villain became more interested and she wasn't just there purely to be sexualized by Batman. I guess that's a good point, yeah. Adam West, 1960s Batman, two very fucking powerful women in the role of uh, Selina Kyle. What a way to start kind of Selena Kyle's um, portrayal on the small screen anyway. We haven't yet seen her in a, a big screen role. This is kind of pre-cinema Selena Kyle. There was the Batman the movie though, correct? Yeah, correct. I've not seen it. Like, I've again, like, I have very cursory Whoa, knowledge. We're going to change that. This it's, is the um, shark the, repellent one, right? It's the shark repellent one. Yeah. It's it's absolutely great. The Penguin, the Joker, Catwoman, all working together, all zany. It's fucking great. But I know Numar and Kit couldn't reprise the role of Catwoman. I don't I think they had, like, I think they had prior engagements and, and they couldn't, they actually couldn't uh, reprise the role. So they got Lee Merriweather to replace. And I think this portrayal was where the, we saw a little bit of a dip in quality. Anyway, I've, <laughs> I've seen a few clips and it's a little bit cringy. Oh, it's a little bit cringy, but I mean, but not in a good way. There's like that that camp cringe that, that works. Cringe. The way that Numar and the way that Kit kind of portray her, where there's like that fine line between camp and cringe. But I think a lot of that's in that movie, though, in particular. The entire movie is extremely over the top, even for the Adam West incarnation of Batman. If, if you're saying it's over the top for the Adam West Batman, that must be like something otherworldly, right? I mean, right? you've got like the penguin can't speak without making nautical puns. Like, Perfect. I don't see a problem so far. Robin <laughs> is clearly demanded. Uh, oh, he manages to put a holy something pun into every other line and some of them just stop being puns. <laughs> well, the ch- At first it might be, holy double whip Batman, we're in the deep cream now. That's fine. But at certain points it's just like, holy floor. <laughs> what? Holy illusion. What's the... Um, Holy cross. What's, what's the character Milhouse plays in fucking Simpsons oh, calling? Fall fucking oh Fallout Boy. Boy. It's like, uh, well, what does he say? He's like... Jumping Jillikers. That's it, yeah. I just remember that and the, uh, the Up and Atom. Up and Atom. I would pay money to see a live action version of uh, fucking Radioactive <laughs> Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
It would, it would basically just... I would make good just, money. I'd sell my firstborn child to see that. <laughs> I'd, I'd be all about that. But I mean, it is just the 60s Batman. It's so campy and cringe and everyone is one-liners and stereotypes. And that was really fun. That was a really fun portrayal of Catwoman until we moved into the movie sphere where she became more We're serious. just skipping over Lee Merriweather because I don't think there's much to that performance at all. Let's jump ahead. This is a couple decades, kind of time jump-wise. We're going right to the 80s, from the 60s to the 80s. And we're going to talk about my favourite version of Catwoman, the delicious... Michelle delicious Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I'm a little bit straight for Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm not going to lie. This this performance is wet dream. Like This is what, what a lot of people <laughs> say. Like, really feel. <laughs> there is almost this like sexual awakening moment when you watch like, your version of Catwoman. And I'm sure a lot of like teenage boys watching the 60s version would have seen um, Numar and would have seen Kate and been like, Holy shit! Yeah, that's the that's the stuff. That's the that's the good shit right there. Most of those people grow up to have leather fetish. <laughs> See, I, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not into the whole leather fetish. It just looks uncomfortable. I, I Thanks don't want to put that out there. <laughs> Liam is not into leather fetish, but but but, but <laughs> Brian is. <laughs> Send all your leather to me. Please, yeah, don't, don't, no, please cows. don't send any leather at us. I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian. Don't do that bullshit. Let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer because what a fucking performance. What a way to steal the show. Like I know we've said this time and time again about her, but I just want to reference one more time how she came in with her whip and just whacked the heads off those mannequins. And it's not even just a, a crack and then put it back down and then crack again. She does some little fancy trick and she came in and just bossed that on the day. Everything. Absolutely I mean, I mean, everything about her performance just is so spot on. She gives me that kind of like drag queen energy in her performance. It's so like, everything she says, it's like the meow and- It's all flazzy it's, it's all very shady. It's all very like kind of cutting edge. Like what, what she says, she says something to the cops where it's like, oh, we don't, don't hurt us, man. We're, we're only getting paid 300 pound a month or whatever. I don't fucking know what it is. <laughs> You're being overpaid. You're being overpaid. It's all that, always that like sardonic, that really sarcastic kind of like really biting humor. Perfect, man. Everything Michelle Pfeiffer. And I'm going to keep calling him Michelle Pfeiffer because yeah, if, if you haven't seen Andy Donna, like that's a little rabbit hole you need to go down. <laughs> um, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is that like, she's that perfect blend of both sexy comic, but still deeply emotional. Like she, she hits all those emotional beats really, really perfectly in that film. Um, she kind of, for me anyway, that's the defining performance, the Selena Kyle that I, I recognize and that I go to every time someone mentions the word Catwoman. Yeah, I don't know if that's the most like to comic book faithful but that doesn't, doesn't, that doesn't be, matter yeah. to me like she is my favorite incarnation well she, well she gets the universe that she's in as well I think I think she understands the assignment of this is the Tim Burton universe that's been created she obviously wasn't in the she has a lot of chemistry with Keaton as well like that kind of sexuality that that blend between adversary but also there is that that, that element of sexual tension there well, her what? and Keaton perfect oh perfect chemistry they are wait wait, <laughs> wait perf perfect chemistry or perfect chemistry perfect chemistry that's the one I miss when Tim Burton was good. I miss when <laughs> Tim Burton made movies and not just like 90 minute acid trip cartoon nightmares. I miss those days too but here we are. I think Michelle Pfeiffer in comparison to Halle Berry's Catwoman when Halle Berry's walking well, first around a different person Apart from being a different person. <laughs> like when Halle Berry's doing the dual heist, she's very like running around the walls, very just straight up cat on the hunt, running around. Or she does little weird gymnastic things that kind of hither there. But Pfeiffer like does gymnastic things too. Let's but not that's, but 
she does it correctly. She breaks into a store at one point and she just starts doing like backflips and cartwheels, but it's not like a look at me, flashy show, flip, flip, flip. It's very much a lazy feline in the sun, just stretching her legs. She's going to rob a shop. It's not a big deal. What does it fucking matter to her? She's just here for a good time and she's just stretching those limbs and it's so graceful, elegant, beautiful and sexy all at once. <laughs> all of those things put together. Uniqueness, what, charisma, uniqueness, nerve and fucking talent, Michelle. Mutual talent, fucking, Michelle. It wasn't actually, I, I can't believe that we almost didn't get that version of Catwoman as well. Like originally, I think it was meant to be Annette Benning they were going to cast. And like, no, no, no harm to... <laughs> no, 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 no shade on the net. But no shade on the net. Yeah, thank you for not. Yeah, thank you for bringing Spawn into the world. Not not the comic book movie Spawn. Actual children into the world. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, do you know the uh, Sean Young story? The uh, woman who played Rachel in Blade Runner. Not off the top of my head. So yeah, there was this big thing where she, I mean, it's all kind of come out now as well. Uh, she's kind of owned up to it. She, uh, Sean Young, the actress who played uh, Rachel in Blade Runner, uh, was de so desperate to play Catwoman in Tim Burton's Catwoman that she showed up to the Warner Brothers studio in full Catwoman costume, marched like direct, well, I don't know how much of this is like exaggerated as well, but marched directly up to Tim Burton and just spent the next few days trying to fucking, she basically stalked him from days. what I can tell. If yeah, I think days, that's a problem. She, she kept getting like ejected from the Warner Brothers set from what I remember. That's definitely, I thought she like came in costume, she was prepared, she was really excited. I was like, no, that's dead cute. She really wants to. No, she was like psychotic. Days. That's a bit, that's a bit weird. There's a few stories and I'm not like Sean Young, if you're listening, which you probably are, let's be honest. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shade you either. You're probably a wonderful and Blade Runner is my second favorite, maybe first favorite movie of all time. Uh, her performance in that's phenomenal, but I'm again, so glad that Pfeiffer was cast. I'm, I, I couldn't imagine anyone else in that role, but not only that, for me, she's kind of the, the defining moment of that movie as a whole. Yeah. You look at Danny DeVito's version of the penguin. You look at Michael Keaton, you look at every element of that film and the, the shining star is Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. It's, and that's it's, it's, it's a good cast she's up against as well. It's not like she's a little bit stand out above like a couple of bit actors. Diane DeVito is hilarious in everything that he does. And Michael Keaton was a sexy ass Batman. Like she's the Batman really in my eyes. Sorry. did a fantastic job to really shine that bright. Sorry, Christian Bale stands. Sorry, Nolan stands. Michael Keaton and Tim Burton all the way, fuckers. He won our competition. So yeah, fuck you, Bale. Apparently all of them. I am so fucking straight for Michelle Pfeiffer. It's not even funny. Like, honestly... <laughs> Can I have a better laugh than that? Fuck you, that was funny. You said it wasn't funny. It I was, was humouring you. Fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but we, we're getting kind of into the modern day era because after the um, after the 1980s version of Catwoman, there is that long break until the Halle Berry version. We don't... Do we need to cover Halle Berry again? Absolutely not. Terrific actress. Praise to her. Terrible movie. Terrible Catwoman. Weird as fuck. At least she the had... best part of that movie was when you saw the picture of Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, better times, remembering better days. <laughs> <laughs> Is Hathaway next? Yeah, after that, we, we kind of skip forward a few more years till the, she's to not, the Nolan version. She's not yeah. much better. Well... I, I kind of do want to spend a little bit of time on Hathaway because this is kind of the most modern, apart from the one in Gotham, which I think we could cover a little bit. Neither of us have seen Gotham. Jack, if you were here, you'd probably tell us a little bit about the version in Gotham. But from what I can tell, she's a very young version of Catwoman. She's kind of pre-teen, the same age as uh, Batman in that in that story where they are kind of teenagers. So I don't know how much she actually gets to exper experiment as to playing the role of Catwoman. Like, I think she is a jewel thief. 
Um, and from what I can tell from what the reviews that I've read, she's a very competent version of Catwoman. But again, it's it's like young Catwoman. Um, so yeah, let's skip all the way past that to the Nolan verse, which she's introduced in The Dark Knight Rises, the weakest of the Nolan films. Um, and yeah, it's played by Anne Hathaway, which I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but the weirdest possible casting choice. I don't see her in any way exuding the sexuality no. or the intensity or the or the. Like, I think Anne Hathaway is probably a, a lovely person. She's she probably nice, lovely. but that's that's the word. She's lovely. She's kind of graceful. She's someone in you could bring home to your kind, mom. Kind of way, yeah. She seems really nice and kind of chill. But I can't imagine her in a sexy little cat suit going around making cat puns. It kind, kind of felt awkward, right? Like it kind of felt like she was, yeah. She she almost knew she was out of place in that movie verse. And I don't think the actual. I don't want to get put too much of the onus on her either because I feel like Nolan, in and of himself, bit off so much more than he can chew in The Dark Knight Rises. Let's talk a little bit about the main problem with The Dark Knight Rises, because I can tell you right now that is a, a critical fail of far too much fucking shit going on in one movie. You've got Bane, you've got fucking... Um, That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to yeah, list all these guys. I can't remember a single other person in that film. You've got Bane, you've got Talia al Ghul, you've got the whole Robin thing going on in the background, you've got like seven, eight, nine different fucking subplots all happening at once, and then they're also trying to shoehorn Catwoman in there. And it's it's just like Anne Hathaway, again, probably a great person. I personally am not a massive fan of her acting abilities. I think kind of you, you look at the stuff she's won awards for, Les Mis, we know how I feel about Tom Hooper. Oscar <laughs> <laughs> Beat. Yeah, you, you kind of, you can't really, she's never really surprised me in anything she's in and that kind of continued into her portrayal of Catwoman where you look at her version of Catwoman and you see like, yeah, it's like Princess Diaries does fucking leather fetish at yeah, night. it's like, kind it's, of uncomfortable to think about. It's, she's, she, she's, she's portrayed that, that image of like innocent, sweet, girl next door kind of vibes for far too long. Whereas Pfeiffer has that edge. She has that bite that I don't think and again, no offense to Hathaway, I don't think she could pull off as successfully as I think Nolan wanted to do. But again, I don't know if I want to entirely blame Hathaway because I feel like the way Nolan wrote Catwoman was almost disingenuous, was almost like he was very uninterested in even adding that character to the story. I'm not a massive fan of the Nolan stuff. I'm not going to say oh. I don't like it. I don't, I don't dare say my, that I my, don't like it. My fucking inbox on Instagram just blew up. <laughs> a million fucking angry death threats. No, I'm Ryan like, is officially cancelled. No, I don't dislike them. But <laughs> Every fucking before, nerd is going to be coming at our door now. Thank you for that. I don't know why there's some disconnect there for me where I don't go back and watch them. And the thing is, like, I love... Tom Hardy's Bane was fucking cool, but I don't really remember it. I haven't really went back to watch the film again. And I think there was a shit ton going on. I don't remember the movies before it that well. Is it either. potentially because, and I'm going to play a little bit of like your advocate in this, because I actually do. I really, really like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, the first two movies. But I will also admit they are devoid of any joy. They're like these super dour and they're, they're, they're extraordinarily competent. They're extraordinarily well acted, filmed, choreographed. Everything about them is beautiful and staggering and yet they are kind of devoid of any soul well, or any joy i can't slate them whatsoever i can't say there's something bad about them but there's just some disconnect when i'm watching them that's stopped them from getting lodged in my brain yeah, i know i know for a fact that there'll be people who disagree with me and that's absolutely fine and i i, I do i i think they're both four and five star movies they're they're exceptional but they're also movies i have no interest in revisiting because there are there's just a level of like sourness to them and there's a, there's a level of like <laughs> skipping ahead to my me masturbating over Sam Raimi for about five minutes. Um, there's, there's, there isn't that rewatchability that a lot of the funner kind of campy, the X-Men's, the, the, the Spider-Man's that those movies hold in my memory that I just don't really have with the Nolan verse. 
still recognizing that they're fantastically made movies. But The Dark Knight Rises is is not a fantastically made movie. It's a very competent movie that bites off far too much that it can't even handle. It it, it kind of overextends itself. It over exaggerates. It over overdoes everything to the point where it's bogged down by everything it tries to encompass. The thing I remember most about that movie is how much I fancy Joseph Gordon-Levitt and how much he's I just barely in it, movie. man. He's I in it for like five minutes. I just wanted the movie of him. I didn't really yeah. care about what else was going on. But apart from that, I think we've we've kind of ran, we've kind of got to the point now where we we're kind of waiting for a new version of Catwoman, and obviously we we're not going to get it in the Snyderverse because that's done. I again, I don't want to piss off too many people oh, because they no, are like, they are the angriest fan base. Ryan, that does not come at me, bro. <laughs> come, come at him, not me. I don't want the hate mail. Ryan has his own Instagram account. Do it. I never check my messages. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think we are ready for a new incarnation of Catwoman, and I think we all kind of. Oh, I mean, we don't know what's kind of coming from Matt Reeves' version of the Batman, the one with um, with Robert Pattinson. I'm really excited for this because I, in Matt Reeves, I trust because he made the greatest trilogy of our modern times with the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed that Matt Reeves can pull it out. Also some like hope for Robert Pattinson because he is a good actor and I still think I love in a lot Pats. of people's eyes he's still trying to get over the Twilight thing. I love He's been a lot since. Our Pats. And he's, Sorry, me... he's really good and I'm hoping everyone gives him the chance to actually shine as an actor in the film. Okay, so quick question before we get into listener questions. Who would you cast as Catwoman in a future adaptation of this universe? If I'm going to cast her on the spot, uh, let's just give it a scar, Joe. I mean, if she can play an Asian person, oh, no. she can play a cat. No, let's not let's not re- let's not remind us of uh, <laughs> let's not remind ourselves of Ghost in the Shell, please. I don't need to or be do of- pass your outrage to the directors of the movie, please. Yeah. I it's who would, who would you have me I would probably I, I had to rack my brain a little bit and I know she's again literally like ScarJo she's been in everything at the minute but I would probably like I'm still got a massive hard on for Zoe Zaldana as an actor oh, is that Gamora yeah she plays Gamora in um, the MCU and she plays uh, Uhura in the the JJ Abrams Star yeah. Trek universe Ooh, she she yeah that. she's got that fierceness to her the way she plays Gamora actually especially she's got that kind of edge that bite where she's she she is the good guy, but she's also she has that vulnerability. She that has that vulnerability. With she has that like edge where she's kind of going to do her own thing and get her own way. If you're in her way, she's going to walk right through you. She's not kind of afraid of anyone. She has that kind of bite that I think that she could really bring to the role. I would cast her in a fucking heartbeat. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to change my choice to that one, please. Yeah, I win. <laughs> no, so let's do some listener questions because I'm just realizing how we are getting on in time a little bit. Um, so we asked you guys on Instagram to give us your either Catwoman related questions or your superhero related questions, and we got a bunch of responses. And I oh, do apologize; these, these are really cool. I do apologize if we uh, miss anyone out, but we are going to try and stick to a little time frame. But let's start at the beginning. Let's start with the first question. We got two from Brad uh, Brad Kelsey two on Instagram, who's a massive fan of the podcast. He is always kind of messaging me. We we're having some really cool discussions about movies on instagram so big ups to you uh brad kelsey um yeah thank you for listening and your question your first question would be who played the best version of peter parker oh, so this is your <laughs> this is what i've been rant. waiting for but brad also he agrees with me he thinks that Pete, uh, toby Maguire gave the best performance of the live action let's stick to the live action version so excluding into this into the spider verse because obviously that's an exceptional performance i wonder who, who does the um the voice of peter parker in into the spider verse it's uh, Jake Johnson, New Girl. He plays Nick. Oh, see, Nick, oh, Nick from New Girl. Nick yeah, he's, New Girl. he's, re- he's exceptional in, in the Spider-Verse, but let's just stick to live action uh, Peter Parker's. And yeah, I'm going Tobey Maguire. There is no other option. The I'm Sam going Ab- Tom Holland. You're wrong. The Sam, you, the, let, let, let's do this. Let's do this fairly. Let's have a full, like... 
open. I can't, at least no, both of us no, could agree that Andrew Garfield is the worst version of Peter Parker. Of course, right? that goes without saying. But I can't be fair because my judgments aren't based in fairness. It's because I really, really, really dislike Tobey Maguire. It's his face. It's his stance, demeanor. I don't know. He gives off the energy that I don't like and I've not been able to get behind him. You leave Seabiscuit alone. But like, <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is a fantastic movie and I'm excited to get that dog <clears throat> back. Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 are 1, 2, and 3 movies. are all great movies, bar Venom. But I don't know why. Negatively towards like, him. Again, he portrays that. I mean, yeah, the, the issue, the, the main issue, I will I will concede that there is an issue with his age because he is, again, it's it's the it's the issue that we had in the early noughties. And we still have to date to some extent, but the early noughties and the 90s especially of 30-year-old actors playing teenagers where you're looking <laughs> at him like- I remember those days. He has a mortgage. He has a family. He has, he has like visible kind of like- a five o'clock shadow constantly in those movies. And again, I'm sure everyone can relate though. Everyone has that person where you just see the faces and for no reason whatsoever, you want to chin them. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood gives <laughs> off that vibe for a lot of people. It's his eyes. He's like, he's like one of those, like, I just kind of want to strangle him in a bathtub. Also, my grandma <laughs> told me a story once about Tom Maguire saying to his fans, I'm famous now, I don't need to sign no, he, he is a, no, he's that a tosser. Not, oh, is he a tosser? No, he's an absolute tosser. That doesn't even need to be true. There was I a bunch like of shit. Like, the reason Spider-Man, the, the Raimi Spider-Man 4 didn't go ahead, obviously Venom was a big deal, uh, the critical response, but Spider-Man 3 as a movie grossed a fuck ton. Like, it did exceptionally well in the box office. Um, Spider-Man 4, the issue that never got off the ground, the reason that film never got off the ground was Maguire, like, pretty much wanted to triple his salary and was like, I'm not coming back unless you triple my fucking salary which is why i'm surprised to hear that he's in uh well he's meant to be in the marvel uh spider-man 3 well please had a reality check since yeah, so since when, great when gatsby. was the last time you yeah apart from great gatsby which what a fucking success that was when have you seen a toby Maguire film exactly he's now desperate he's he probably throw any amount of money at him and he just like yeah absolutely but I need for me anyway the reason his peter parker is so exceptional and the reason his peter parker works so well and again it's similar to kind of the adam west batman and the the, the burton verse is that sam raimi crafts a universe that i think he fits perfectly in and his mannerisms and his kind of he, he, very dorky, geeky, teenage kid, little bit socially awkward, but still has a good heart, still just trying to make his way in the coming of age and kind I, of story. I'm aware that a lot of it probably is nostalgia and probably the fact that that was, the the, the Raimi Spider-Man films for me was my introduction to superheroes as a whole, like not, not only just comic books, not only just films, it was the first kind of superhero property that I fell in love with. Like something I appreciate about him is that they didn't feel the need to do like a, like Tom Holland, the sexy Spider-Man where he had an, Andrew Garfield, where it was all yeah. lines Emo. and angles. He was like Edward Cullen, but Spider-Man. Yeah, like, he, he was the like dorky kid in school who you wouldn't, he goes very unassuming. You wouldn't think much of him. Well, this and is the he thing, plays that well. The fact that you want to lamp him, like the fact that you want to knock him out, I think lends to it. I think kind of adds to that. Nah, mate, I wasn't in the cool groups at school. I don't mind me, a geek. You've heard all me right, talk right, about okay, Marvel. Okay. It's, uh, in fact, you've just- Go on, you've defend Tom me, Holland then. Go, you've go, told me I have a good judge of character, clearly, because he was a prick. Defend Tom Holland then. Let's let's go another way, because I like Tom Holland a lot, but I also feel like his version is the least, uh, not the least kind of, the least interesting, the least impactful, because they played it really safe with him. They played it very safe with him. I mean, Andrew Garfield, at least it was a fiery meteor of shit. And that was semi-interesting to analyze. A fiery meteor of shit. Yeah, it became- That's the metaphor you're going for. It became interesting to analyze as a performance and why it was so bad, but it's not enjoyable in any sense. No. And the Peter no, Parker's terrible- Well, then, Tom Holland, why, why your favorite? Um, my favorite because he's the most attractive and I really wow. hate Tobey Maguire. Wow. 
All right. Clearly, I just have a good sense of people. Clearly. I also want to defend Tobey Maguire's performance in Spider-Man 3, but I did not get to fully justify this on the Catwoman episode because Jack cut me off. That is a perfect portrayal of, I think, and again, I'm, I I don't know whether I want to give Tobey Maguire the benefit of the doubt or I want to give Sam no, Raimi all the credit. all Raimi. Look at all the characters Raimi in Raimi such a good universe. MJ, like he, he, his, Goblin. Again, like what we talk about tone, like consistency of tone. I think any other version of the symbiote in Sam Raimi's universe would not have worked. I don't think the symbiote in Sam Raimi's universe. <laughs> he went on record to say that he didn't want the symbiote in his universe. He wanted a film with the Vulture and he wanted a film with Sandman. Which and every which single scene would have worked fantastically well compared to fucking Venom. Why do you have the symbiote suit? Because when- Venom was a massive property and uh, Sony wanted Venom in. That's Clearly why. it was Sony's choice because you're right. Everything fits so well. All the villains are all of the same type. They're all kind of the same background, the same kind of gritty villain and they all fit nicely into this more human, more character-driven universe. But again, I don't, like, you, you said the word gritty there, but I actually completely disagree. I think the camp... Oh, I don't want to say gritty, yeah. Gritty was the wrong word. The, when the I say gritty, camp, I mean, yeah. like, the adults are more, like, adults. But again, They're not just kind defending of... kind of the way Sam Raimi wrote Peter Parker in the Raimi universe, everything works, everything fits, everything kind of cohesively gels together. And the way that Maguire portrays him... It goes is completely maligned for no reason. That that emo scene is exactly <laughs> is exactly the Peter Parker version of the biggest evil that yeah because he's a nerd because he's a dork and, that and he's, is, the, he's the best of heroes as well yeah. like he's going to lead the avengers you, he's got the best heart and you absolutely i i actually think the reason for me that spider-man 3 is a underrated masterpiece is entirely that that scene like i will shit all over eddie brock i'll shit all over the venom that is 100 the worst elements of those but the symbiote the way the symbiote works with with peter parker and the way that it transforms Peter Parker, I actually think is genius because it it, it lends to that characterization that he is that boy next door, that he is that boy scout. He is that holier than thou. He is so, he's flawed and he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's problematic and he has these issues, but he is so pure of heart. He and becomes a, a little jerky emo instead, instead yeah. of a monstrous supervillain murderer cannibal. Because that's the biggest evil that Peter Parker ever could go to because he would not, he, he wouldn't allow himself to go evil. Like even, even there is the scene where he uh, hits MJ, which I actually, yeah, that's not my favorite scene. Um, it, it's hard defending that one. But again, you have this, this is as far as he will go as as, a, as an evil character. And I actually think Tobey Maguire, he, he does a phenomenal job in those films. And I 100% agree with you, Brad. Tobey Maguire, for me, takes the cake. I want to give credit to Raimi. I think he did the best films. I think he did a fantastic job. But don't hate it because it's a bad Peter Parker. It's not. It is nerdy. It is campy in the right ways. He is good. He hits all the right beats. Don't like it because Tobey Maguire is a problematic a-hole who shouldn't oh, be coming back but everyone's a problematic films. a-hole. Like, let's be honest. This is the whole, like, the, the good place theory. Just got finished watching The Good Place. You can't do anything. You, you can't watch anything with everyone because everyone's problematic as fuck. Well, thank you, Brad, for that one. Also got another one off Brad. Um, any thoughts on the upcoming Moon Knight TV show? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't know. I know what it is, but I've got no idea what it's about. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking excited for it. But at the same time, I am a little bit worried. We had the Cloak and Dagger TV show. I don't know. Did you ever watch any of that? No, I've not seen a thing. So the Cloak and Dagger was... It's kind of like, for me, the same kind of vein. It's the same level of not right, the unsuperhero level. So in my head, they're going to create something that's very similar and it's going to flop in the same beats. 
Okay. Watching, however, watching One Division and Captain Soldier or Winter Falcon. That's the one. That does give me more hope that it's going to be. Is Moon Knight under the Marvel banner, style. or is it like the 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 other Marvel banner where they're like uh, oh, Agents of I Shield? Know. I don't know whether it's like official. That's, that's the thing. Agents of Shield, the Defenders, all those kinds of shows didn't really do it for me. I felt the the bit more gritty, and I saw what they were trying to do. But he never interested me all that much, even watching the stories through. And I have seen them all, but it's not something I'm ever going to revisit. And I'm scared Moon Knight's going to be exactly the same, but I hold, I hold out hope. Um, we've got a question from Ed Cooks, who, again, absolutely fantastic. I love talking to you on Instagram, Ed. Um, you asked us, uh, Kryptonite, is it a lazy writer's tool? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like the ultimate Deus Ex Machina. It's like Deus Ex Machina in a fucking can. Like, it's like they wrote themselves into a corner having this ultra-powerful character and they needed an ultimate weakness for him. With They couldn't just have any like subtle flaws or something that you need to overcome or one minor dip where he was vulnerable. It's a full-on, this is a mineral. This mineral makes him weak. Kill him with this mineral. It is the laziest of tropes. I've never seen a lazier trope in my life. Like, literally, it's like going up to Batman and being like, haha, I have your greatest weakness, a nuclear rock. And if I'm being entirely honest, I don't know enough about Superman as a as a property to know how, if they, if they have been using Kryptonite in a uh, creative creative facets or whether it is just as uh, far as lazy. I can remember it's pretty lazy it's because they need a weakness for him so they invented the weakness for him conveniently it's a rock so it's a mineral it's hard to get and but how else would you do it let's 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 take kryptonite out of the equation would then you have a situation where you have an overpowered I think that actually kind of blends into another question we got but I mean yeah, of course. I, I just want to kind of like, I kind of want to blend Ed's question with a question from um, Adam and Craig's uh, podcast, which is a really, really cool podcast. I have had a chance to check out. And um, they cover lots of lots of topics and lots of kind of comic book nerdy topics on their show as well. Um, but they asked, is Superman a boring character? And I think we can kind of blend their their question with, with Ed's question as well. And to say, yeah, absolutely. The fact that they kind of made him this, this holy than now God, he's just a Deus Ex Machina machine. He's but, a God uh, within a machine machine. You do have like people who can't take him down though like uh, dark side obviously um magic he's obviously. vulnerable to and that wait wait wait, 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 magic wait right I, again you're talking to a person who's not the i'm not the right kind of nerd for this exact conversation so what's this magic bullshit uh, think dc doc strange okay i'm thinking of it <laughs> magic <laughs> okay magic cool like okay cool um he's vulnerable to magic um you can get him that way and the best part of any Superman is when you have the Lex Luthor villain who outsmarts him. Superman has to use his brain and wit and investigation skills to figure something out rather than just rely on his brawn. Because anyone can, well, I was going to say anyone, anyone with super <laughs> strength can smash a tank. But it takes a keen intellect to stop an evil genius who has like a decade old plan ready to fire at any moment. That's like, and you heard it here, folks. Superman sucks. Yeah. I don't even know if that's what you said. I kind of zoned out halfway through because no. you just started talking like nerd shit. And I, I Superman has potential to be good. He has potential to be bad. It's hard. You know, to I want to see. I want to see the Nicolas Cage Superman. That's all I care about. Like I am so entrenched in bad and best worst movies now that all I care about is the absolute worst <laughs> possible thing. And I'm so pissed 100%. off. So pissed off. We didn't get the, super, the Nicolas Cage Superman that we were promised. Oh, it's so fucking weird. I would have loved every second of it. Hi guys, I'm Superman. I, 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 I'm allergic to. I'm allergic to kryptonite. No. Uh, 
uh, Kryptonite, Kryptonian bees. No, no, not, not the Kryptonite. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. And <laughs> let's just, uh, let's just like, pretend that that didn't happen. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Greg. Um, let's see. We've got a few more questions. We've got one from Kelsey Bird. She wants to talk a little bit more about Catwoman. She basically just says, what the fuck is up with those, those, uh, those weird cats, the immortal cats that breathe life into Catwoman? What, why do you think they chose cats? Well, I mean, <laughs> why do you think they chose immortal cats? Like what? I think the main question is asking us why that version of Catwoman, um, decided to go down the radioactive so cat weird. version. Like it's, it's the full on went balls to the walls and went, right, we don't have Batman, we don't have Gotham, we don't have any other villains that we know of. It's, we have Catwoman. What can we do with cats? I can answer and it just straight like, away. Cat, 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 I can cat. answer that as I think it's great because obviously we had the 90s where superhero IPs were still quite, quite early in development. They weren't really a bankable property just yet. You have like the really weird ones, like you have like Blade, you have Spawn, you have Judge Dredd. The ones that never really, you have the Punisher, like these early, early stuff. And then X-Men, um, then Brian Singer's X-Men comes along and you have the first real example of, well, the first real example since Burton and the first real example since like the Christopher Reeves Superman um, incarnations where superheroes are bankable again, superhero properties work. And then you get the Raimiverse and then you have all these properties where they, they right, they have superpowers. They don't, they aren't just thieves. They aren't just uh, vigilantes. That kind of, those versions of superheroes, you think the Punisher, you think Judge Dredd, they don't quite work yet. They're, they're not 100% bankable. And I think the the writers of Catwoman, I think the directors of Catwoman thought, thought, well, I mean, Peter Parker got bit by a radioactive spider. Why can't we have Patience Phillips bit by a radioactive <laughs> cat? Well, that, it's the, literally, that is literally the bare, bare ends of it. The yeah, basic on, the, on the surface level, it's just like, right, Catwoman, cats, what do you think when you think cats? Egypt, ancient Egypt is an Egyptian god, that's a cat. Ancient Egyptian cat, live forever, picks a Catwoman every now and then. Perfect, we'll throw that in, we'll throw a cat in, to breathe on there, then we've got our Catwoman. Don't have to think about it any more than that. Lazy. This, oh, as honestly, lazy as kryptonite. I don't want to think about Catwoman anymore. It's hurt my brain. We have two questions left, but they're kind of the same, so I'm lumping them together. And they are from our buddies over at Warm Tins and our buddy over at Tipsy Flicks. My besties on this fucking platform. I love you guys so much. Let's start with George over at Tipsy Flicks, who literally just asked the question, when will it oh, end? I'm kind of with him. I am. I am kind of with him. But again, I'm not. I'm right, really, you go, really You go not. first so I can defend the fuck out my boy. So, yes, we are oversaturated. We are getting too many. You can only do so many giant sky beams. But just let me have this, please. If no I one's don't, stopping you. This if is the I thing. don't have this, then we're going to get something else. And rom-coms were all the rage. And we got loads of them. And we had our action movies, just as standard thrillers. And before that was Cowboys. This is my time. And I need it to last just a but few more going, years. Like, but this is and again I'm absolutely with you I really like superhero films I really enjoy them and I, I do for to some extent really appreciate Marvel tell me you don't want to know what's happening with Wanda I really do and I like that and I do and, and I do think that Marvel and I do think the MCU have a lot of interesting and original properties and original takes on those properties as well but I also think they are oversaturating the market to the point where I'm kind of just ready and when we watched Batman and Robin I was so excited because it's, it's something that's not entrenched in decades worth of lore or decades worth of films that I've got to research. 
or they, they, they're not afraid to kind of break the mold. And I think One Division did break the mold in a lot of ways. And I, I really enjoyed watching that show. I absolutely adored it. But then I also think back to kind of you know, the the Ant Mans and the and the the Iron Man fucking sevens and the the Thor fours and all this shit. Where it's just like they're all kind of blending together and they're all bleeding together at the point where. I, and I I said this to the boys. I've said this to to George over at Tipsy, and I've said this to Tom and and Matt and Callum and all, all the guys at the Warm Tins that it's just getting to the point where I'm a little bit bored and I'm a little bit sick of watching the same film over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I am going to watch them all when they come out, but I'm not interested in all of the properties particularly. But you can't tell me there aren't things that you want to continue. Absolutely, no, absolutely. But I also kind of wish there were those original non-DC, non-MCU properties coming out as well, because apart from but shit like- not. If there was, <laughs> I'd be here for it, and that would be fine. Yeah, but I, be... but you have to think that Disney, uh, that, that, that Disney, you're almost... I tried almost... watching Thunder Force. <laughs> I'm not talking about Wonder Force, the Octavia Spencer, Melissa McCarthy bullshit that I slept through. If you said, torn down the superhero movies, I'd be for that and I'd be with you, but eradicating them completely or stopping the creation wouldn't do it for me. But that's not what I'm saying, and I don't think that's what George is saying. I don't think that's what Tom's saying. I think Didn't what, it say, when will it stop? Well, <laughs> that's quite explicit. But, we just want, but I think what we want, I'm happy for this to continue, and I think everyone will, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm ne- I've not seen a DC film since um, Batman v Superman because they fucking suck. But I don't begrudge anyone who likes DC. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, because you like DC, you're an idiot. No, if you keep fucking prattling on about Restore the Snyderverse when he's when Snyder said he doesn't want to restore the fucking Snyderverse, then you're getting on my tits. That's fine. But what I think what George is asking is just something new, just something a bit different. Just you, There was this era of superhero films that was, was inventive. Like I think back to even like Guillermo del Toro's version of Hellboy. With that broke broke through the mold of what superhero conventions were, and even even thinking back quite a, a little bit more recently, something like Logan that kind of took oh, the formula yeah. and did something entirely new with it and did something different with it. And I am all about that life. I love originality and those films that and TV shows that do do something different really stand stand out for me and I will go back and I will praise them and love them but you're right certain things like the the Ant-Mans and all the Iron-Mans even if we just had a break I get a bit like lost off when I'm talking about them I don't really discuss them I'll just go to like the major ones and the ones that I'm really like, fuck, this really took me off guard. I mean, you were saying about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as much as there are elements of that show that really work and there are a lot of really positive aspects to that show and I think thematically it goes into a lot of interesting places that a lot of shows haven't gone into yet. It's also the same thing. It's also the exact same thing as all the Avengers films. It's all the exact same things as Infinity War. The same story being told with a new a new co- a new paint of coat on it. That's kind of all they ever do is they, they switch up the characters. They switch up the everything's just an origin story. A paint of coat. <laughs> Fuck off. What do, what, what do I mean to say? Paint, uh, what do I mean? What is a it? Coat of paint. That's the one. That's no, like, you're absolutely right. I, I don't want rid of them. I just want them to be less of them, and I want them to really try hard and put thought behind what they're putting out. I want to end because um, we haven't actually had Tom's question yet, but it's brilliant. Uh, so Tom, literally, it's it's more or less the same thing. Like, when will this shit end? When do we get something new? When do we get something interesting? Tom was gracious enough to send me a voice clip of his question. So, and I don't even know if he wants me to do this. So I apologize. In <laughs> too advance. bad. It's too fucking bad. You sent me. It's mine now. I own. I own your fucking voice now, bitch. Tom won't film you. Iron Man. Smash Iron Man. Oh, I miss that voice. <laughs> you're not wrong. Give me something... New. Right, the, the problem that you're going to run into here immediately, you say give me something new, great, 
but the version of new, you can always go off to Disney and ask them. I bet they have some great ideas. How about Cinderella three? Disney hasn't had an original idea since like the eighties. So let's be let's be entirely fucking honest. And even then, they were all original, uh, older properties. The thing we're is, we're never going to get anything new from Disney. Disney aren't going to move out of the way for other people either. They're a greedy corporation that owns everything. So, Unless there's a huge <laughs> paradigm shift, we're not going to get anything so, new. It's just going to keep putting out superhero movies, putting out sorry, the, just, the redone Disney movies, and it's just going to go on. To answer your question, cycle. Tom and George, we're all doomed. And there is no point resisting. Yeah, because just we are just we're already owned by Disney Corp. This, in fact, yet yeah, now the perfect time to reveal that Bad Taste Buds has been bought by Disney, and this is actually <laughs> this is actually the reason we haven't. Uh, the Ryan has been so positive towards everything is because uh, Disney and Mickey Mouse is our new master. <laughs> Don't approve, right, Daddy Mickey? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> get in that fucking gimpsu, you bitch! Sorry, <laughs> well, yeah. If- if, in the ideal universe, yeah, we'd constantly be getting new and innovative media and it would be fantastic. And we are getting that, but it gets outshined. But you've got to roll with what you got. We have got a few, like, again, they're just, they're just a little bit harder to find. I think like something like The Old Guard or something that was on Netflix last year. Oh, yeah, fucking great. Or, um, I mean, Thunder Force, yeah. <laughs> Thunder they're just Force. not very good. We've got Brightburn. That was a bit of shit, wasn't it? Like, that... <laughs> You've got to step your pussy up as well. You've got you've got to like actually commit to those those original properties. Otherwise, they are just going to fail. We had Unbreakable. We had the sequel to Unbreakable. We talked about it on our M Night episode, which is coming out after this, um, with Glass. And again, M Night couldn't couldn't stick the landing. He couldn't stick the superhero landing. So I think as as is, we are in this weird quagmire of we are not going to get anything cool and original until Disney, until this fad is over. And it will, it will die eventually. It will pass. I guess just let the guys who enjoy it have their time in the sun. And then I'll, I don't know. But better the devil you know, I will. If you enjoy them, that, that's entirely, that's entirely cool. That's, the really big thing is spy movies, didn't we? That, that was a big thing for a while. Was it? I, don't I mean, we had, I, we I had say that James Bond. Bond and Johnny English. Oh, you mean like the, when the tuxedo? You mean like when Bourne was big and stuff like oh, that? And Bourne, yeah, there yeah. was like the Jason Bourne films, Mission Impossible films, obviously, Mission Impossible, which are fucking which bitching, still banging yeah. to this day. Yeah, um, yeah, just so, I don't know. Support your uh, independent film film houses and support the people who are making those weird kooky films because otherwise oh, Disney's going to own us all by the end of the I year. I know Lords won't know this, right? But you can request DVDs or Blu-rays or games and shit from your local library. So get your ass down and make the request. Usually they're happy to get anything what in What is this, the fucking 90s? Are you serious? I didn't know that. You're saying that as if I should know that, but I didn't, like, what the fuck? Libraries rock. Spot your local library. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Um, we have run quite long on this one. I wasn't expecting... Obviously, with the listener questions, we're going to have to shorten the uh, the 0.5s uh, and do a little bit of kind of balancing act with how many... It's called questions. time management, Time bitches. management, thank you. <laughs> for those of you who have a job, you might understand that, Liam. I have a job. I have a podcast. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but thank you very much for uh, writing in, everyone who wrote in. Thank you very much for listening again. I've been Liam with uh, your your weekly roundup of bad shit. And Ryan, thank you very much for joining me on this one. Anytime, babe. Cool. Right. And we will see you next week when we are doing our last Airbender episode. And as always, give some love to uh, the boys over at the Warm Tins and George over at Tipsy Flicks. They do really, really good shit over there. Um, we're kind of, we kind of got this like holy trinity of podcast shit going on <laughs> in a minute. Do check out my buddy Greg at the, the Bear, Hug Bear Club, Hug Club pod. Pod. He, and, and we also were doing uh, Young Men Who Yell at Clouds. And check out Harry over at the uh, pick and mix podcast as well thank you guys and we will see you soon bye